It's the day before Thanksgiving, and we talk about gratitude, why the Metropolitan Museum is awesome, and Stan Lee. All this and more on The Leftscape. This is Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, this is Mary McGinley. And this is Wendy Sheridan. And uh, it's still November. I believe it is the day before Thanksgiving feast day. So uh, this month, we are celebrating or are aware of uh, the following foods, uh, banana pudding, Gluten-free mm. diet, peanut butter lovers month, Georgia peaches, mm-hmm. pecans, peppers, pomegranates, um, other things that start with P like sweet potato, raisin bread, spinach, and squash. Also, uh, fun with fondue and roasting. <laughs> fun with fondue. I like fun that with one. Fondue, How yes. do like Georgia peaches? Do they get ripe this month? Is that what happens? Maybe. Yeah. It's, they're normally riper, like, like in August. I don't know. Sure. Uh, it is also Farm to City Week, uh, National Bible Week, Game and Puzzle Week, and Deal Week starts today because uh, uh, because I guess of Black Friday coming up on Black Friday. Black Friday, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, it is Stuffing Day. Red Mitten Day, which is a Canadian Olympic pride. Uh, gingerbread Cookie Day. Tie One On Day. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Jukebox Day. Uh, and Thursday is Thanksgiving, which is also the National Day of Mourning, uh, which since 1970, Native Americans have gathered at noon on Coles Hill in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts as a reminder of the Na- Native American genocide. Um, mm. I think that's what I'm going to be doing on Thursday. Uh, well, I, I yeah, will. Yeah, maybe you should declare that, that that's what you're doing. <laughs> it would keep me, and keep me from having to, having to cook an enormous feast. Um, so uh, what happened on this day in the past, Mary? So on this day in history, in 1920, was Bloody Sunday in Ireland. And that was a key event in the Irish War of Independence. So that happened in 1920. Okay. So that was Republic of Ireland as opposed to Northern Ireland. Yes. And, I, and yeah. that's uh, the U2 song is about that event. Uh-huh. Okay. So. And let's see what else. In 1941... Tweety Bird made its, her, his, their debut. The, the Tweety Bird. Let's go with We're there. All <laughs> let's yeah, go with okay. there. Yeah. Okay, because Tweety Bird can be gender fluid. So, <laughs> and uh, and we're all glad that Tweety Bird made a debut. Uh, let's see. In 1964, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge was open in New York. 
and it connected Brooklyn to Staten Island. And at the time, it was the longest suspension bridge in the world. I find that, yeah, that is cool. Because I, you know, you keep thinking it's the Golden Gate and that one went up well before, I think, the Verrazano, right? Mm. I think the Golden Gate Bridge. And that one, I, I don't know. So I guess maybe the Verrazano is longer than the Golden Gate. I don't know. But it's oh, not, maybe it is. Yeah. It's not the longest anymore. Those those records get get beaten rather quickly. Yeah. So yeah. You know, though I I had assumed that the George Washington Bridge was the longest. Um, so uh, I guess it was until this was built. Yeah. Or, well, when was the George Washington Bridge built? Uh, I don't remember now. I used <laughs> to listen to a podcast called Bowery Boys which and I hopefully it's still on, but it told you the history of all these various things. And it was kind of cool. And it talked about the whole story of the building of the George Washington Bridge. And the, the main architect designer of the George Washington Bridge, like halfway through building it, he had a stroke mm. and he could no longer do it. And his wife took over. Wow. So I, the, I there was, a, there cool. was a, a science fiction book called the bridge and it's main the main thing that happened in it it's just like this post-apocalyptic story and uh the roadway of the gw bridge had collapsed it wasn't there anymore so these people were were crossing using the uh the suspension cables Mm -hmm. and it's talking about how difficult it is to climb that because it's so steep Mm -hmm. and it could be that maybe the george washington bridge was the tallest like, oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll have to look it up and tell you guys later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in 1979, um, an angry mob burnt down the U.S. embassy in Pakistan. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what they were angry about. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they thought it was a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> So birthdays on this day, um, one of, I'm a fan of the surrealist artists, so uh, Renee Magritte was born on this day, which is pretty cool. And we've got Isaac Bashevis Singer, author, and Harold Ramis, who was on SCTV and Ghostbusters, and what else you were telling me? Uh, He directed uh, Groundhog Day and a whole lot of other movies. I think he directed Ghostbusters, too. He um he's he was a very prolific yeah. comic actor and director and i think writer and writer yeah very very cool and we want to wish happy birthdays to bjork and dr john and goldie hahn uh nicolette sheridan who's not related to me no relation to Wendy. <laughs> alexander siddick who was on deep space nine and Brian Ritchie, who was is the basis of the Violent Femmes, he may, I'm not sure if he's still performing with them or not, but I, that's a band that I think is awesome. So happy birthday, Brian Ritchie. Happy Ritchie. birthday. <laughs> happy birthday all. Yes. So there's been yeah. a lot that's been going on since the election, which isn't even done yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's still happening. We 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 were talking about three different um, Democrats who won seats in New Jersey, and definitely have to add one more because Andy Kim was declared the winner in New Jersey three. 
Oh, awesome. He was oh, the yeah, one. So he the, was the one with the areas. I, I, the attack ads against Andy Kim were the most hilarious ads I had ever seen. Oh, because <laughs> he supported books. Yeah, it was basically it was basically Andy Kim promoted these books by these writers. Oh my God! It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that's crazy. the worst thing they could think you to say about a, a guy or something <laughs> right and they would and play these ads i heard him on the positive <laughs> america interview and he was really great like i was sorry i couldn't vote for him because i'm in a different district but i was like that but he's this is a cool guy you know so i was really happy to hear that that had um turned around i actually went to one of the protests to support Mueller. Um, investigation which happened the day after two days after the election and people were cheering him on in that and saying I was like oh I didn't know he was still in the running and then that was so that was good news yeah I'm really glad that that he won because the whoever came up with that attack ad needs to lose it it was just ridiculous well yeah it was probably somebody on Tom MacArthur's yeah well there was one of those super PAC deal thing so you know usually the the nasty ads aren't coming out of the campaign of the of the opponent they come out of uh these the dark money stuff so i don't know but uh it's cool that uh kristen cinema went won in arizona flipped that seat yes kirsten 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 cinema yeah just like in a movie okay yes yeah (laughs) First Democrat uh, in 30 years. Oh, wow. And first yeah. first openly by person in the Senate. Yes. That makes me happy. <laughs> More visible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I also read a, a an opinion piece uh, this past week about why uh, McCaskill um, said, you know, why she conceded the election. And I think it's because the oh, other... the one with the dog? I don't know. I know yeah. she was oh, the one of the, the she was one of the holdout she was one of the votes to get um that we were hoping wasn't gonna confirm Kavanaugh and then she did. Um but what I had what I had read was that the other senator in Arizona whose name I don't remember, uh he's planning to retire after this session of Congress. And if he does that, then the governor gets to pick who is going to replace him for the remainder of his term. And I think maybe there was some backroom deal or whatever. She's thinking she's going to get that. She's going to get back into the Senate that way. But fine. I mean, at least it's like we, you know, it's not going to be two Republican senators in there. We have another Democratic senator. So, uh, yay. Even even if she's going to wind up back in there, um, at least this woman... Will hopefully do some things. Mm. I was kind of sad about um, North Dakota. Um, <laughs> There's a lot to be sad about North Dakota. Yeah. Everything I'm reading I, coming out of North Dakota about makes North me Dakota sad. too. So um, um, I'm forgetting, spacing out on that woman's name, name who lost mm. the Democrat who lost. Well, there's you guys still remember no. No, you don't remember. No, I don't well, remember. anyway, though the whole the whole deal with making it that people had to have a street address on their ID, so that none, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, hide none camp. of the hide camp. Sorry, hide camp. Yeah, that was it. That she Thank lost. You. But um, that they 
street address thing has uh, has the the native vote. Excuse me, the native vote couldn't uh, couldn't get out because of this this complication with the IDs. But what it did was it really reinforced the uh, indigenous people that they wanted to get out and they wanted to vote even more strongly. And so they vote, they voted in higher numbers. The percentage numbers was ridiculous, like double digits of more than they ever voted before. But I was thinking, well, if they voted so much, then why didn't Heidi Hyde Camp one win? Yeah, I guess, I mean, I think so many people were energized about this election that I don't know what... Um, oh, it evens it out. It may, it might have or just beat it out this time, but I was really happy to see that it, it the that strategy actually backfired in terms of keeping Native people out of the polls, you know? Yeah. So that, yeah. that bodes well for the future, hopefully. So there's, and, they were, and they're still counting votes as we're recording this in Florida. I, I think oh. there's a deadline that's today, but I think they were trying to get it extended because of how I heard this on NPR yesterday um, that they when they recount the votes, they can only do one election at a time. So they have to count all the votes for senator and then they have to count all the votes for Congress and then they have to count all the votes for each position separately. They can't do it all at once, mm. which is why wow. one of the reasons why it's taking so long. Uh, that and probably they they're understaffed. I bet you, um, but uh, I and I don't remember what the if the if the courts gave them more time if they're not going to hit this deadline today, um, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed about that. Um, and any have you heard about what's happening in Georgia at the moment, or have they figured out I, who's governor? Really yet? wasn't. I wasn't finished talking about North Dakota. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to finish about North Dakota, that whole thing about um, about the address on the ID. It was presented by by one particular assemblyman, I guess it was the the North Dakota assemblyman. He lost he lost his election. Oh good. And yeah, and he was replaced by a woman named Ruth Buffalo who is a native person. Yes, so, that makes me very happy. <laughs> okay, that, now let, let's talk about Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so has anybody heard about anything new in Georgia? Are they still counting votes? They that were still some... counting last I heard, so we may know the answer about that one soon, but I don't know Okay. This moment. Yeah, um... Oh, that's a Fox source. I'm not reading that. <laughs> well, well uh, all I can say, though, is I really admire her. And I, it, it just looks like that from from what I'm seeing coming in, she's not going to win. And, mm. but, but the fact that she keeps on fighting because now she's made it that, that her, her mission is to expose all these, these – um, shifty things that the republicans are doing with the voting yeah uh, mm -hmm. to to kind of clean up this voter what they're calling voter fraud is actually republican voter suppression mayhem. yeah voter suppression um yeah i i think stacy abrams has a, a definitely a political future if not now you know she's oh, doing yeah. a lot of positive things yeah. so um i'm looking forward to she's what she's not going uh, away no, 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 really not. 
So, uh, so uh, I guess we need. We also need to mention uh, if, if you if you've just woken up from a coma, um, you'll be sad to know that Stan Lee died this week, or last week actually on the on the twelfth. Um, yes. And uh, and since I've been working towards doing graphic novels, I am very entrenched into the whole uh, comic book community now. So. That's been people have been you know rending their clothes over this, but you know he was ninety five. It's a good run. Mm. Yeah, he made a lot of uh, you know amazing contributions, and I, you know, it's funny. I'm sort of comic fan adjacent. <laughs> like, I really love people who are huge comic geeks, and I've followed some podcasts where I, I learned a lot about. But that. you don't read them yourself. I don't read them. I don't read them myself, really. But I, I, you know, certain movies I'll, I'll go to and things like that. I like that. I like the aesthetic. I like the a lot about them. I definitely grew up watching Spider-Man. I wear Spider-Man pajamas. Like I actually have more <laughs> Spider-Man stuff, just because mm-hmm. I that's something about the aesthetic of Spider-Man that I love. So I have a Spider-Man sippy cup. I have a Spider-Man <laughs> soap dispenser, soap holder. You know, like these really weird things. But um, no, I definitely, you know, sort of his work has been in the background and sort of in the fabric of my life, even though I haven't been like a huge comic collector or anything myself. But I really do. I have followed people who are big comic people. And then, so I have a real um, affinity in a, in a weird way yeah. <laughs> about it. I mean, I got into Marvel through um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, through the movies. Uh, I think the comics, when I was a kid, I didn't really read a lot of comics. I have like two comic books from that era. And I think they're both Wonder Woman comics. So it's like more DC Universe than uh, than Marvel. But as I, um, as an adult, I kind of fell into comics. Um, through it's actually through Neil Gaiman, um, the writer, and mm-hmm. and it's because he had a whole series called um, about about one of the Eternals, and I and I think that's a Marvel property. Um, he the, he the wrote Sandman. he wrote a graphic book. He you I loaned you one of them. <laughs> was that you was loaned that, me the one that it was, was Shakespeare? Uh, it was Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, that's because the yeah. the character is um, the Sandman, and, and he's like in charge of sleep and dreams. I didn't realize that was gay man. It's been a while. Since yeah, I looked at yeah. So that was like this whole very long series that I have um, in in like eight volumes in, in trade paperback, and I started reading that, and then and then. I think he wrote something called 1602, which um, was a short, like a 12-issue run, which gets put into another book, and then I, that's when I buy them. Um, and that one was about, it was a what if all of the Marvel superheroes happened in 1602 in Europe and, and, and England, and it's like you're trying to, and it, it's you're reading this, and it's really cool, and then you're going, oh, wait a minute. These people, this, this is like they, there was a boat and there were these four people on it and they were the four of the Fantastic because the Fantastic was the name of the ship. Oh, you know, and 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 you're and you're reading it. And you have to you're guessing like who's who and um, and and the names are kind of spelt like old English. 
Um, and, and it's like, like every Marvel superhero and villain ends up having a little something to go on in there. There were a bunch of, it's like the X-Men were in there, but, um, you know, they didn't have wheelchairs yet. So Professor X was being carried around by somebody else. In a sedan chair. No, not even just like this big, strong oh. guy was just carrying him around. Oh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> No, but that's that a really interesting. It, it's really it's great. I loved it, um, and I need to reread it again because now I have even more um, knowledge of the other other people. Because I know Daredevil is in it, and and uh, a lot of other Marvel um, characters. I mean, it took me till the end of the freaking book to realize there was a Native American, and his name was spelled R O J A Z which I guess you would pronounce Rogers, and that was really Captain America. Oh. <laughs> but America didn't exist yet. So yeah. He, so he's this, just this native guy who ends up coming back with, uh, I guess, Virginia Dare uh, to, um, he saves Virginia Dare and they go back to England together because there's mm. some stuff with Queen Elizabeth and it's, it's, a really, it's a really good story. I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and... Uh, and I'll have to look that up. Yeah, uh, Stanley uh, will be missed. <laughs> I've rambled yeah, on a while. Celebrated. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. And Indivisible came out with a new guide. Yeah. I'm yeah, looking forward going on the offensive. Yep. Now that there's there's some le uh, leverage in Congress. Yes. What do you do with that as opposed to just defending yourself against the greatest the harm you know <laughs> yeah trying to build something now yes the yeah. since uh congress 2019 the democrats strike back Gratitude. Yeah, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and and uh, I want to, I want to, and I, I think all three of us want to, but I definitely want to thank uh, the reviewers who have given us reviews on iTunes. Um, not only have you reviewed us, you reviewed us with five stars, so thank you so, so much. That is oh, amazing. Very we grateful. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, gratitude was something that we thought about talking about right now because Thanksgiving tomorrow and everything but you know I'm getting a little tired of that <laughs> the whole of like for, forcing you to think about what you should be thankful for I don't know, I don't know after a while maybe it's just my mood <laughs> I'm in a dark mood <laughs> hmm. I'm not being grateful for very much right now I'm grateful for the elections as far as they've gone, but I wish they could have gone further. I think you're grateful you got your, your cast off your foot, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> but my foot hurts now. Oh. Uh, it, the cast was kind of keeping it numb. Now it hurts. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, it's got a heal. I, the healing process, I, I think, does that. It's not the Yeah. <laughs> Just to explain to our listeners, in case there's people who didn't listen, uh, back in September, I broke my... Uh, ankle and so i've been hobbling around for a couple months yeah she's now she's now bionic and can't go through a medical metal metal detector yeah. without explanations and that's now 
That's the thing is, I'm very aware of screws in my ankle. I can feel them. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, and I thought I thought that, oh, I'm going crazy. And I asked the physical therapist, is it crazy of me to imagine that I feel the screws? And she said, no, not at all. You're going to feel them, especially when it rains. Oh, went, wow. Oh, great. 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 Well, hey, let's... <laughs> Let's look at the bright side. You are now, you are now our weather person. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, it was hurting when it wasn't raining too, so I don't know. (laughs) I I have to learn to read the signs. Well, you'll, I think some of it you may get um, habituated to, so maybe you won't be aware of it all the time. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Um, I know, um, and here's... Here's some maybe some TMI. Um, when I had my episiotomy after, well, during the birth of my daughter, uh, it took about two years before I didn't feel where the incision was. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And, and I don't know if that's because it, you know, they cut through some nerves and I had a numb spot and then I just stopped feeling it. Or if the nerves maybe grew back, I don't know, because I kind of, my, my, sense of nerves is that they don't grow back but don't i don't know i don't think they do grow back um but i am very aware of where they operated on me the the incision yeah yeah i'm very aware of that too well rich is like that with his with his hernia um after you know it took him like two years before he was before he's not aware of you know it's not like constantly nagging at your the back of your head you know it takes a couple of Mm. years before you can kind of just your brain says oh yeah that feeling we don't need to make her consciously aware of that anymore i mean maybe that's what's going on that your 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 brain has to rewire itself Mm -hmm. well i am uh, you know what? For, we're grateful for med, for the medical profession that can help fix us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm 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 grateful to my sister who bought me a little scooter thing. Oh, it, it's called <coughs> excuse me, it's called a knee walker. It looks like a scooter. It's not really a scooter, but it's like I kneel with my one bad leg. I can kneel on it, and I can scoot a, scoot along. Excuse me, I'm still coughing. Um, and I tried it out at school because in my house it's too tight to even, you know, go from one room to the other or anything. Especially because I have stairs all over the place. So uh, I tried it at school yesterday, and I was zooming around. It was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to be balancing on your on your knee and just sort of like uh, skateboarding around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I felt like I was doing. I was skateboarding. That sounds kind of fun, actually. Yeah, I, I saw them. I saw them um, when I was in the ER for my knee, <laughs> and and yeah, when I and when I was in physical therapy, I I, I uh, no, I can't use it. But I saw people use. Yeah. It. I saw people with them in a few different places. I said, oh, that's like an interesting device that is way better than trying to hobble around on crutches. Yeah, yeah. Although it's it's um, not all that steady, mm. you have to be at a certain point, and I wasn't at that point where I could use it yet. But you are but now. I am now. Well, this is good because you're not you're still not 
supposed to put weight on your ankle, right? Uh, I'm supposed to start putting weight on my ankle, oh. yeah. But okay. when I started this week, and then I kind of overdid it, and so uh, yesterday I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try out the scooter. So, because my, my husband's been pushing me around in a wheelchair, and I know he's getting really tired of doing that, so. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm grateful for, is I've got this scooter, thank you to my sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And family, inconvenient backstories of our holidays. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be talking about. Yes, um, although I, I want to say another just thing about gratitude. I, yeah. I hear you that, you know, when you have like this artificial time of the year when you're supposed to be feeling something. Yeah. Um, it, I think sometimes it magnifies how much your experience doesn't match like the TV version of the experience you're supposed uh-huh. to be having, you know? So I think that plays into the, probably the inconvenient backstories we might tell. <laughs> I also think that there's something to the practice of gratitude. I think that when people take that as a daily practice and really um, do journaling and reflect mm-hmm. on their day or small things or, um, finding what's finding the value in their daily life. I think that is a transformative practice, but it has to do with living in gratitude as opposed to like, Oh, today's the day I'm supposed to be grateful. Yeah. Once a year. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's a cool, well, talk to talk a little bit about living in gratitude. Like what does that look like? Um, I don't know that I've, done it so consistently, but I think it has to do with, it's like mindfulness. Mm. Okay. Okay. Where if you really calm your mind enough to sort of pay attention to each moment and things that there's a lot to enjoy in the life, mm. in life, you know, I, I like, um, walking with this friend of mine and we usually take a five or six kilometer walk every usually on Thursdays, um, in the morning and just noticing how the seasons change the landscape and, um, noticing just, just paying attention to what it feels like to connect with friends that I haven't seen in a long time, or just, just, there's just small things every day that feels, that, that feel wonderful or that nurture or that you know, you positive things in our life. You yeah, know? you're you're really reminding me of something, and I you're really making me aware that I actually do do this, and uh, I didn't realize that I was doing it. That um, I remember a time when uh, I was in college, and I had my big serious boyfriend in college that I broke up with, like, and got back together three times with this guy, and finally broke up for good. And I was so depressed and I was like walking around crying and I was on the Douglas campus. Do you know what the Douglas campus looks like? And as I'm walking and crying, I look up and it was spring and the pink trees, the cherry trees and they were in bloom. And I looked at them and I went, wow, that's pretty. Okay. I don't feel so bad now Uh, because I was so happy that the trees were pink and in bloom. And I say, you know what? I can look at these things that I like, and it makes me feel better. 
Uh, and I realized I was grateful to have to have small things that can still make me happy and maybe it's not so bad. And I have been aware that I've done that all my life. I've always tried to find things. When, when things are really bad, I've always tried to find the things that are actually still beautiful, like things in nature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know, a lot, you know, and it's, a, it's, it's sort of about being less carried away with your, your, the stories you have in your head about what's so terrible. Yeah. And feeling what's positive, and it can be small or it could be huge. There's there's a lot actually that I can. Well, I think for me, um, and I'm not sure how this happened, but gratitude to me seems wrapped up in obligation. Oh. And and they're they're in my head at least because it's because the like the mindfulness stuff that you're talking about that's that's one thing and that i and i find joy in beauty and and stuff like that you know and in nature and and i will like be looking at my cat's face and try you know like trying to see the 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 minute differences between the two sisters that i have who are now like two years old and uh and you know they look very very similar, but they have differences, and it's like fingerprints practically on their faces. That, mm-hmm. And um, so I remember just spending like a half an hour just staring at this. Well, we're kind of the cat and I were doing just looking at each other and just like admiring how her fur is like all stripy and the different colors in it and everything. And and it was very calming, and it was a very lovely moment to have with her. And. Um, but then when people say gratitude and you have, I think it's because it's like, you have to be thankful. There's the obligation, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, and that you're thanking somebody, some deity. Or whatever. For giving you this cat who has stripes. Well, I don't know that I would be, that's how I would fr- <laughs> phrase the gratitude in any way. But, um, uh, but it's like, it, it, it's like you know it's Thanksgiving so we're supposed to say what we're thankful for and it's the it's the obligation to mm-hmm. and that's I think what kind of wrecks it for me mm-hmm. because when it becomes an obligation then it's not it's not um, it's not a, a spontaneous genuine thing mm-hmm. it's something you have to you know it's it's an obligation and that and that doesn't doesn't jibe with joy to me do you feel that way about the pagan celebrations like oh it's belting <laughs> to be sexy and enjoying the spring now <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> or is it different because it's something you chose more consciously um i i didn't start out that way <laughs> hmm. But I, I think sometimes, sometimes even that feels a little obligatory, um, and I just probably just has to do with where I am in my in my life path and and my general grouchiness that seems to be I'm accumulating a lot of grouch, <laughs> and and. Uh, <laughs> I probably I think that happens as you get older. That's what I mean. It's it's the it's the get off my lawn syndrome or, <laughs> or you know, it's epitomized by the phrase get off my lawn. 
So, yeah, so I guess as we age, we accumulate all of these little, and, and maybe that's a good idea for a ritual at some point. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's like those little sticky burrs that you get walking through certain plants that just like you walk I forget the name of the plant but you walk oh, through yeah. you walk through a field of them and you look down at your pants and there're all this little things stuck on there and they're kind of pointy like thistles. we we call them hitchhikers yeah those guys <laughs> um, and and a lot of different plants use that for their propagation how they spread their seeds and and but for a person having all of that crap on your pants or whatever it's a real pain in the ass and and I think as we get older we kind of collect like psychic versions of those mm. and you know it might be nice to get rid of some of that mm. so so i I'm... think so you know <laughs> i think it's, it's a good idea to if you notice it then well i'm noticing it now that we're talking about it. yeah <laughs> yeah and then maybe i don't know so see for me what i try to do with holidays because one of the things that has happened for me is that my my immediate family, my parents are gone. My, I, I have a brother, but we're, you know, we, we say, we shout out to each other once in a while, but we're not, we don't hang out, you know? And so a lot of these holidays or especially the fall and winter holidays, and there's kind of nothing there for me. And that's been really hard to be like, well, what do I, what am I supposed to do on Christmas or Thanksgiving? I mean, you know, we have, traditions that have grown up around friends like we have a misfit thanksgiving that a friend of ours hosts that's um that i tend to go to um if i'm not in virginia with a different friend so but but it's a matter of recreating this stuff like now that the obligatory thing is not there you know which has been a really painful thing in a lot of cases but or for for a bunch of years especially around christmas because i have all kinds of emotional baggage about not having great emotional Christmas memories and you know all this kind of stuff so it's been hard but um one of the things I've tried to do is to recreate holidays with meaning actually so that if I'm going to go to Thanksgiving and if there's a moment to talk about what we're grateful for I really rather than feel like oh I'm obligated to be thankful now I say well let me take this time to actually do a real reflection you know, and maybe it's something small. Maybe maybe I've had a horrible year, but maybe I can find something that is really po positive, like a, a, a real good friend connection or or something. And I don't feel I don't know. I don't I don't feel obligated to do that. Like, I think if at least in the spaces where I've been in, um, I think I'd be OK to say, you know what, I'm having a really hard year and I can't say what. I feel grateful for right now. I feel like I, I don't know that I've done that, but I think I could do that. And that feels authentic to me. You said something, Robin, you said recreate holidays with meaning. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Uh, well, well, one of the things for me is that um, growing up, I, I got a lot of stuff for Christmas and that's like an enviable thing for a lot of kids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I could so make a you list. Get your, get yourself a gift. No, no, no. So what wound up happening is that, um, that used to that became a really painful thing for me because I felt like 
I didn't have the relationship I wished I could I I had with my mom. You know, uh, we were sort of I don't know maybe just not. I, and I think everyone does the best they can. I'm not. This isn't a blameful thing anymore. I used I used to have a lot of anger, but I have a lot of. You know, I think we just missed each other's. We were like at cross purposes in terms of how we communicated. Mm-hmm. And so as I got older and what I wanted was like authentic communication and acknowledgement and those sorts of things like that wasn't something that she did well. She was a she she provided well, you know, so she knew I like purple. I would get every purple thing in the store <laughs> for Christmas, you know, or the, the, the music I wanted and things like that. But it wasn't but it felt really I felt like, I don't know, it was very painful for me because I, I, what I wanted was something that wasn't material, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for years, that was a hard thing. And then when she passed, it was, I was still having anxiety around all that. And I think I still have some of that, you know, um, in December, but, um, but I guess I realized at a certain point, well, I don't have to go to any particular family member. I could, I could do that if I wanted to. Um, I can go to the Thanksgiving that friends of mine are, have been creating a tradition around over, over the years. And it's something that's not standard. You know, you can do the not standard thing. Like I like celebrating all of the festivals of light. So I like Diwali and I try to go to something that's Hanukkah related or even keep that tradition myself the way I've learned it with some Jewish friends and um, and reinterpret it like it's not about pagans defiling the oil in the temple and therefore <laughs> we have to <laughs> you know we celebrate the miracle it's about it's also a, a holiday that shows the increasing light each mm-hmm. day and that feels like Yule to me and that's about um, re recognizing what is um, the spark of life and of creativity in myself and in nature or spirit or however we want to put it. So all of those things, I try to find find where it feels really authentic for me and, and do that thing, you mm-hmm. know? And that I think that's how I feel about Thanksgiving also. Like there might be, I mean, I have had years where I felt like, oh, we have to go do this thing and be with these people or whatever, but Aside from that, if there's a place where I can create a moment in the day that feels real to me or to get to really where I am really grateful about something. And it's not because someone told me I have to say a certain thing or do something in particular around it, you know. So I think that's part of where that comes from for me. And some of it's memories, traditions. I think that what I'm hearing, too, is that you take it upon yourself to create the holiday for yourself rather than um, it, it, expecting it to just happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and if, if I don't feel hap- made happy by something that I did with family or a friend or something, then I'll do something else. Like there's certain things that I like to have in my tradition. Like I try to recreate my grandmother's macaroni and cheese and I feel like, (laughs) Mm. I feel like no one can make it like her. You know, my aunt was pretty good at it. Mine is maybe a step below that, but it's still good. (laughs) And that, that's a, I don't know. It's a thing that I like to do and it's emotional and it's, um, 
it's po- it's so it's an over it's a net positive and it's something that feels right to do so i guess i yeah i guess i make it up as i go there's a uh, there's a little blessing i wrote many thanksgivings ago for a group of stepmoms in anticipation of thanksgiving with people who may be problematic may your holiday be joyful or at least peaceful may your loved ones be reasonable or at least respectful may you keep your temper and patience or if you lose it find it quickly Remember that you are strong. Remember that you can handle whatever comes your way. Remember that this too shall pass. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. You can find my music all around the web and you can Check me out at my website, robinrenee.com, and uh, there you can find out where to reach me through all my various social media outlets. Uh, I wanted to tell you that Quest of Life Media and Broadcast, a nonprofit LGBT singer-songwriter support services organization, has just announced their first release, and it's called Holiday 2018 Pride. The compilation features holiday classics and original songs by 14 LGBT artists, including Freddie Freeman, Noreen Brown, Namalie Brennett, Jay Spears, and I am very happy to say that my celebratory slash parody song, Hare Krishna Christmas, is in the mix. Holiday 2018 Pride will be available beginning on Monday, November 19th, so head over to questoflife.org and you can get your copy there and support LGBT artists, and um, you might find a new favorite for your holiday music library. And I also want to give a big shout out to International Pagan Radio, which is a place where you can tune in to hear a wide range of music and programming by pagan artists. And a very big thanks to those who have been voting for my song. Um, the, other end of, the other end of the line has reached the IPR top 20 hottest hits. It uh, came in at number 14 in October. And my tune, I'm Coming Down, spent a lot of time in their top 20 last year, and it uh, went all the way to number one. So thank you so much for that. And anybody who wants to check it out, head over to internationalpaganradio.com anytime, and you can listen there and you can vote for your favorites. Thanks. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color. Printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. Well, I was thinking about things that were awesome, and I went to sleep last night and woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I could not go back to sleep because I was thinking about how awesome 
the Metropolitan Museum in New York is. It's pretty awesome. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and my, I had been there a number of times, but um, when I really got my introduction, it was uh, from when I was in graduate school, one of my teachers was a member of the uh, of the Metropolitan, and he knew all the back roads. I guess he worked as a docent there too. So he gave us like a personal tour of things that you don't ordinarily see when you're there or that they're hidden. And I just wanted to share what was really awesome about that that visit in particular. When, when um, some of our listeners who don't live in New York if you come to visit New York, you're going to have to try to go to the Metropolitan, but uh, you can't see everything in one day. So don't even try. Don't even bother to try. And uh, excuse me, <coughs> I'm coughing again. But um, the thing that he ta showed us is if you go in the front door and you just go straight. So if you're going straight from the street, you would be going west. And if you turn to the left, you're in, if you go straight, you're in the medieval hall. And you'll see all these medieval things. You go turn to the left and go down this little hall. There is an elevator. And it's not really um, shown. It's it's kind of hidden this elevator but but there is a door that says elevator you take that elevator there might be a line to get on the elevator but most people don't even notice this elevator the elevator goes to the roof of the building and you go up to the roof of the building and there's a sculpture garden there that most people just don't know exists <coughs> excuse me and you go outside in the sculpture garden and you can bring a sandwich with you. I usually pack a sandwich and I have my lunch on this, the roof of the building and you have this view of New York and the, um, the park, Central Park. It's so beautiful and I could just stay there forever. It's just so beautiful, <laughs> especially if you go in the fall or in the spring when the trees are starting to blossom. It's a, a beautiful thing to do. So I feel grateful for that. So, excuse me. And uh, the other part that I enjoyed when, when I was doing this tour was the American wing. Most people think, oh, I want to go see Egypt. I want to go see Rome. I want to see all these different things or uh, European paintings um, but the American wing is kind of cool because the American wing has all these things that um, pieces of buildings that have been saved uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis was on this campaign in New York that when they were at, at in the 60s 70s they were tearing things down and she would save pieces um, statues and things and the they put them in the museum there. So it's kind of cool. As, as a matter of fact, too, they have um, uh, Tiffany glass. There was, there's beautiful Tiffany glass windows that were taken out of buildings that were being torn down. And one of them, I remember in your old house, Wendy, you had a painting in your kitchen 
of one of those Tiffany glass windows. It was adapted from one of those. It was from a coloring yeah. book. Um, but yeah. yeah, I changed some stuff up. But yeah, that's the that they're usually in display in the sculpture garden. I thought the indoor uh, it, one. Well, that's that's the American wing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. when I go and there, the sculptures there are like pieces off their architectural details off of buildings and things. Yeah, the Brooklyn they, Museum yeah, has that too outside. There were like uh, the like the I don't know what you call them pediments the 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 people like uh -huh. holding up stuff at the top of columns and things they have yes, yes. they have those scattered all around outside uh, the Brooklyn Museum as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool! I'll have to get to that one too. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a pain it, to get there. <laughs> yeah, Just... that's that's the, the reason why I haven't gone yet. But. Um... Uh, the last time I went to the Metropolitan Museum, I made up this little thing for myself to do, where I walked around the European paintings. I mean, I, I went to various things, but then I went to European paintings, and when I when a picture just struck me as odd, and I didn't really know it or anything, I took a picture of it with my phone, so that I came home with maybe a dozen pictures. And now, whenever I feel like it, I pull out these pictures and I look at them and I say to myself, what is the story of what's going on here? And then I just start doing a stream of consciousness and start writing. There was this one picture that it was an American picture and it was from colonial times and it was a man standing in an office next to a um, bookcase and it had a little writing desk on the top of it. The bookcase was short. And I thought, why would this guy get his portrait painted? Because it was probably an expensive thing to have your portrait painted in colonial times. But he, he had his portrait painted standing next to a bookcase. What was the significance of that? And my, my mind just went off on a whole other tangent. And I started coming up with a story. So I started taking pictures of all these various pictures. Whenever a, a photo, uh, a painting looked uh, odd to me or something, or just said something to me, I took a picture of it. So I created for myself, it, it is kind of a writer's exercise that I'll just sit and I'll look at a painting and I'll set a timer, actually, a little timer, and I'll say for 25 minutes I'm gonna write what is the story of this picture. And I have a lot of fun doing that. Now, now I have to figure out what I'm going to do with all these stories. That <laughs> That's a very, very cool writing exercise. Um, I actually, a uh, long time ago, um, it was Amazing Stories, uh, had a calendar which was the premise for their writing contest and they said write a story based on any one of these 12 pictures that were you know the monthly mm -hmm. pictures and and I wrote a story about one of them and it never really finished it or went anywhere but at someday maybe it's going to be a graphic novel who knows mm, maybe I, I think that for myself uh, of why I came up with this is when I was in graduate school and I was studying directing we were given scripts that they were called open scenes and we had to direct the scene. And what it was, was it was just, there was very little details. It was just a conversation 
of like one word at, at a time. There was character A, character B. A would say, oh, and B would say, there it is. And <laughs> A would say, that's another one. And you wonder, what are they talking about? And you had to make up the story of why were they saying what they were saying. And the other students who were directing students hated doing these things, but I loved doing the things. And I got A's on all of them too. And I had my <laughs> teacher say, well, I never saw anybody interpret it like that before. Because the trick was to whatever it looked like that was what the story was about, do the opposite. <laughs> don't, fall, don't fall into the trap of what it looks like it's about. Make it entirely different. If these two lines look like they're, one's an answer to the other, then break it up with five minutes of action. So I, I always had fun with that. I think you should have been a writer instead of a director. But that's... Well, maybe I'll still do that. Well, you have time. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday.